Well, I told you guys last week that I had wanted to be an astronaut when I grew up, so I thought I'd wear my NASA shirt for you just to prove, just to prove it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Got a question for you. How many of you have wondered, like, what is heaven going to be like? You know, pop culture has not done us uh, a great job of telling us and showing us like what heaven's going to be like. A lot of us think when we die, like we're going to go to heaven and it's going to be this like cloud that we're going to get and, and we're going to get this choir robe and, and uh, then we're going to have a harp and we're going to play this and we're going to do this like for all of eternity. And for a lot of us, myself included, like that's not heaven, that's hell. Like I, I don't want to go and do, I don't want to go. I don't want to get fitted for my choir robe and play my harp on a cloud like for all of eternity. Like that doesn't sound very good. Some of us have the question like, well, what is, what is eternity? Like that's strange too. Like we grow up challenging people, you know, Hey, well, I'm going to be better than you. Infinity plus one, or uh, I love you infinity times infinity. You know, you grow up saying things like that. We hear our kids saying things like that when they challenge each other or when they're trying to tell us how much they love us. Like I love you infinity plus one. And then, well, no, I love you infinity times infinity. And we get older and we're like, we still don't really have an idea of what infinity is and what that really means and what that's like. And, and if we're honest, I wonder if sometimes that scares us. Like the idea of infinity, like eternity, where we would spend somewhere eternity, like that's hard to, to fathom in our finite minds to comprehend and to wrap our minds around the infinite. And so what happens when we die? Where do we go? Most of us as Christians know and think, well, we're going to go to heaven. But what is heaven like? And what are we going to do there? And what is this place that we're going to be for all eternity, the Bible says, if you're a follower of Jesus. And so if you got your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21 is the last book in your Bible. Uh, last book, the end of the New Testament is Revelation, and we will be in chapter 21. We've been in a series and we're finishing it tonight called A New Day. A new day. And that comes from Matthew chapter 28, where Matthew wrote, looking back on all that had happened in the, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, his ascension. He's looking back and on Matthew 28, he, in Matthew 28, he writes like on that Sunday morning, like when Jesus rose from the grave, he said, a new day was dawning. As the sun came up that day, a new day was dawning. And I'm not sure there's a more loaded statement in the Bible that a new day had dawned when Jesus rose from the grave, conquering death, conquering sin, conquering the grave. And so we've been talking about in this series, what, what does this new day look like? What does it mean for us as followers of Jesus? And so tonight we're going to be finishing that and talking about how this new day means a new hope. It means a new hope for you and me. And the Bible says, Jesus said, that we didn't have to worry because he was going to prepare a place for us. And so he told his disciples, don't, don't worry, don't be scared. And, and some of us, when we think about eternity in heaven, like it does worry us. It does scare us because we're not too sure what it's going to be like. Or maybe some of us, we go through this life and we go through trials and, and tragedy. We grieve and we mourn. And the scripture says that we can grieve and mourn with hope. That as followers of Jesus, we don't grieve and mourn or go through trial and tragedy and trouble and tribulation. We don't go through those things without hope. In this new day, we have a new hope. And I want to show you why we can have hope in this life, why we can have hope in the midst of grieving and trials and tribulation, trouble that Jesus promised us that we would have, but how we can go through those things with hope as we look forward to what 
awaits us. And so if you got your Bible, Revelation chapter 21, if you don't have a Bible, uh, go to the city LBK on the web browser on your phone and click message notes. You can follow along with this. The verses will be there. Uh, the points, everything is there uh, for you to take with you as well. So the city LBK.church, and you can follow along with us if you don't have a Bible, uh, but we got our good TV Bible, good old trusty TV Bible right here. So we'll have those for you as well. So let's go. Revelation chapter 21, John, the disciple has had this vision all throughout this book of heaven and what heaven's going to be like and, and the way things are going to happen in the end times. And at this point, we've seen that Christ is going to return. There's going to be a great tribulation here on this earth. And people differ as to whether Christ will return before the tribulation or after. I personally believe it's after. I believe as the church, we will go through the tribulation. Jesus will return. There will be a resurrection of the dead. We will go into a thousand year reign here on earth where Jesus will reign physically here on earth in a kingdom. And then after that, there's the great white throne of judgment. And then after that thousand year reign and the judgment of Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we will enter into what theologians call an eternal state. And that's what we're gonna be talking about. What is this eternal state? What does it look like? What are we going to be Doing. So let's go. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse one, it says this. Then I saw, John says, then I saw in this vision that, that Jesus is giving him. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, that's, that's this. We're, this is the first earth, okay? That's where, where we're at now. The first heaven and the earth, first earth passed away. And there was no longer any sea. So, so John says, I have this vision, the old earth, the, the first earth, and have, it, that's gone. The old things are gone. It's passed away. And the first reason we can have a new hope, John says, is because there's going to be a new earth. We will have a new earth. When Jesus returns, there will be a thousand year reign here on earth. We will go through the great white judgment or, or the great uh, throne, great white throne of judgment. And there will be after that a new earth. Now on this new earth, there will be no wind. What about that? Or at least in wind, not like we know it, or no dust storms, okay? You can open your car door and it won't slam into the car next to you. You can get out and get gas and your hair won't be blowing everywhere and you won't get dirt in your ears and in your eyes. Okay, there will be no more wind and dust storms. All okay? right, anybody, amen? Any, any West Texas people say amen to that? No more wind, no more dust storms on this new earth. I can't, I, I live here and I love it. This is my home. Uh, but when the wind blows and the dirt is blowing, it makes me angry and I get a, I get a headache and, and your, your, uh, your allergies start, you know, going to town and it just, I don't know about you. It just makes me angry. Okay. And so in the new earth, I'm just praising Jesus. At least I believe there will be no wind and no dust storms. Okay. The Bible says this in Romans eight, that the earth right now, because of sin, everything has been cursed and marred by sin, that the earth right now is in birth pains until Christ comes again. The earth is literally going through birth pains until Christ comes again. And so we see things like tornadoes or a lack thereof or lightning and thunderstorms and uh, rain. I mean, we see all these kinds of things happening, uh, famine, uh, tsunamis, uh, hurricanes. We see all these things happening. We're like, how is all this happening? Well, Romans eight tells us that the earth right now is in birth pains until Christ the son comes again. And when he comes, 
The old will be gone and a new earth will come. There will be no more earthquakes on this new earth. There will be no more tornadoes, tsunamis, famine, hurricanes. None of that will exist anymore. And so you can take comfort and that you will spend eternity on a new earth. And the Bible uses this word, I think, intentionally and calls it an earth almost to give us an idea because we, we kind of know what an earth is like because we're here right now, we're, we're on earth. And so in eternity, in the eternal state, there will be a new earth and we kind of know what that's like. And so even though it's going to be new and there's going to be things that are different about it, it's also somewhat familiar to us that you will spend eternity in a place that's somewhat kind of familiar to you. It will be new, it will be paradise, like perfect like it was in Eden. God is going to restore all things and make it very good, just like it was in the very beginning before sin cursed and scarred and killed everything, including you and me. So there's going to be a new earth. Secondly, John says this, let's keep going. Verse two, he says, then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So, so John's seeing this, this city, this holy city, this new Jerusalem, and he says, it's going to come down from heaven. It's going to come down from heaven to earth. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place. So this new city that's coming down out of heaven and it's coming down to earth will be God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. So there's a new city that's coming. It's going to come down out of heaven to earth and God is going to dwell there. He's going to live there and he will be with us, his people. He will dwell with us for all eternity. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And so John says here that you can have hope that in this new day, there's a new hope because there will be a new city for us to dwell in. There will be a new city. This isn't some place that we get to like Nirvana or something in our mind. No, this is a place. There's going to be a new city on a new earth. We will be in a place, a physical place for eternity in this new city where God will dwell. And it goes on to say later in Revelation chapter 21, that there's no need for a sun or, or a light source because God himself will be the light. It will literally be heaven on earth. Kind of gives new insight into Jesus telling his disciples to pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because one day we pray for that now and we see glimpses of that now where the reign and rule of Christ has taken hold. But one day heaven will literally come down to earth in this new city. And Revelation teaches us that there will be some fusing of this new city that comes down from heaven, heaven coming down to earth, and there will be kind of this fusing and they will become like one, this new city on this new earth. This city, again, is somewhat familiar to us when we read in Revelation 21 and 22. There are streets, there are walls, there are gates, there are homes, and, and much of it is made in gold and jewels. There are rivers and trees. It's this beautiful, shining city, John sees, that comes down from heaven to this new earth. 
And so you and I, as followers of Jesus, will live forever in this eternal state, in this new city that's on this new earth. And watch this. Because Christ will reign as king, absolutely. There will be no need for politics. No parties. No politics. No voting. No arguing. There will be no need for any of that because Christ will reign supreme as king. So no no more politics. John says it's a a holy city. So in other words, there will be no evil. There will be no sin. It will be, parents, it will be completely safe. If you're a parent, you know the feeling of just even your kids playing outside or riding their bike down the street or with news like we had last night of another school shooting, the, the panic that can, you, you can feel and the fear that you can feel and, and the sense of relief when everyone's at home and when you're all there together and you've got everybody there and you know where everybody's at, there's a sense of relief. This city, this new earth, it will be completely safe because it will be completely holy. There will be no more evil or sin in this new city on this new earth. They will be completely safe. And so there will be some church people who will kind of struggle because there will be nothing to complain about. I don't know what some of us are going to post about because we won't be able to complain anymore. There will be nothing to complain about. In this new city, in this new earth. You know, Jesus told his disciples, you as my followers, the church, you will be a city on a hill. And that's what we've named our, our church after, this city. That Jesus said his disciples would be. A place of light and hope and warmth and safety and love. Jesus said, you, my disciples, my church, you will be this city on a hill. And it was a picture And what we see now and who we are together as the body of Christ as this city on a hill is just a foretaste. It's just a a picture of what's to come. It's a glimpse. We we get a glimpse of of what it would be like in this eternal state when, when we're all together and when we're worshiping Jesus and there is no fear and there is no insecurity and all these things are, are, are gone. The city that Jesus said his disciples would be, that the church should be, is a glimpse. It's the foretaste of of what's to come in this new city that will be on this new earth. But then John keeps going in verse four and he says this, watch. He said, he, Jesus, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Did you catch that? In this eternal state, in this new city that will be on this new earth, Jesus will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, mourning, or crying, or pain. All those things are gone forever. So in this new day, we've got a new hope of what's to come because watch this. We will have new bodies that will not be subject to these things anymore. Sin has cursed our bodies and has made us And has left us to die and to decay. But in this new body, all of those things are gone forever. 
Now, some of you think about a new body or the resurrection body, and the Bible talks about this. And for some of us, the only glimpse or picture we really have that is some sort of zombie apocalypse where there's all these ugly bodies, you know, going around. I've never gotten into any of those shows. I, I know, I know a lot of you have, I know uh, Brandon has a, a zombie kind of show that he likes, you know, I've never gotten into uh, the, the zombie shows. And so some of us are like, what, a new body, like our bodies are going to come back to, to life, like from the, from the dead. Is it going to look like some sort of, zo- no, no, it's not, this isn't a zombie be apocalypse or anything remotely like that. Okay. Just get that out of your head. Okay. The, the old's gone. Okay. The new, there's something new that is coming. We will have new bodies. You see the the Bible says this, that our, when we die, our soul immediately in the blink of an eye goes to heaven to be with God, but your body goes into the earth one way or another. You're either cremated or you're buried or depending upon the way that you die, your your body eventually goes back into the earth. Well, when Christ returns, here's what happens. Those who are in heaven, their souls went immediately in the blink of an eye to be with God in heaven. When Christ returns, they will return with Christ and there will be a resurrection of the dead where the bodies of believers will be raised to life just like Jesus's body was and will be caught up, the Bible says, in the air with our souls and we will have new resurrection bodies just like Jesus had. So Paul gives us a little bit of explanation and gives us some idea of what this is going to be like in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Watch what he says here in verse 42. In the same way, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted into the ground when we die, but they will be, watch this, raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness. We're decaying in We're sick and we're dying. I'll never forget talking with one of my friends whose wives had cancer and, and she, they, they, they felt like they, they told me over and over. We just feel like we got a, we got a death sentence. And then finally one day someone told them, another believer just said, no, 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 we've all got a death sentence. You've just kind of realized it. And the rest of us are denying it. We're, We're all dying. We're all going to die. 10 out of 10 of us will die. We will be buried in brokenness. Our bodies are broken because of sin, but they will be raised in glory. They buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but watch this. They will be raised as spiritual bodies for just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Theologians now call this the resurrection body that Jesus had. That when we are raised, we will have a resurrection body just like Jesus had that will be raised in strength. And like Jesus's body, we will eat. When Jesus is risen from the grave, the Bible says he was here for 40 days and he did things like eat and drink with his disciples. He talked with his disciples. He was recognizable to his disciples. So so in the eternal state, we will recognize each other. We will have these new resurrection bodies that are raised in, in strength and glory, but we will recognize one another. We're going to be partying together and doing all kinds of different things together for all of eternity. And we will know who each other are, meaning that we will be with lost family members and friends and for all eternity. We will get to be with them 
and know them and enjoy their presence and their company for all eternity. Scholars have said that this resurrection body will be youthful but mature. Some of you are like, how old am I going to be? How old is my body going to be when I get my new resurrection body? Well, scholars have said youthful, probably, but mature. So they've said maybe in your 20s and 30s is the best guess that scholars have of what our resurrection bodies will be like. That maybe, probably, they'll be in your, your 20s and 30s. You know, we spend so much of our childhood wanting to be older, to like be in your 20s and 30s. And then we pass our 20s and 30s. And then you're like, no, no, I want to go back. I want to go back to my 20s and 30s. I want my, the body I had when I was 20 or 30. Well, in eternity, you'll probably get that. You're 20 or 30, you're old, like perfect, ideal Body. I guess it's some sort of spiritual thing that God has placed within us to be 20 or 30 or to be 20 or 30 again or to stay 20 or 30. So we'll have these youthful but mature resurrection bodies. We'll have no need for diets or workouts, um, which means my wife's probably out of a job. She'll have to find something else to do. Um, you can eat all the queso and tacos you want and still have a six pack. Isn't that amazing? That sounds like, that's glorious right there. That, that sounds awesome. Um, you won't stink. Anybody got a teenager? Man, I, I went to hug my son Levi last night. He just turned 12 and he had already taken a shower and I went to hug him and it was awful. Like, I was like, did you wash with soap? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, you need to go put deodorant on. Like he's at the phase now where he's got to put deodorant on like every second of the day or, or he just stinks. And in, in our new resurrection bodies, we won't have to worry about that. Like BO, it's gone forever. We won't have to, we won't have to worry about that. Ladies, you won't have to worry about washing your hair or doing your makeup. You got like two hours back to every day. Isn't that amazing? Guys, you'll, you'll be on time again. Like you, you'll know, like we're, we can leave. We can leave. There's no having to curl the hair, do, do makeup or anything like that. John says in these new resurrection bodies that Jesus will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more sadness, no more pain, no more death. All these things are, are gone forever. No more anxiety. No more depression. No more cancer. No more disability. No more fear. No more insecurity. All that's gone forever. You will have a new resurrection body that is not subject to pain, death, sadness, sickness. It's all gone forever. And so in verse four, John says this, the old order of things has passed away. All those things are gone forever. And he who was seated on the throne, Jesus said, I am making everything new. There will be a new earth. Heaven will come down to earth in this new city. You'll have a new body. All the old stuff is gone. I'm making everything new. And that's so exciting because... In his making everything new, he gives us a picture of what these things are going to be look like. And, and they're somewhat familiar. Earths, cities, bodies, streets, 
homes, water, streams, mountains, trees. This is what awaits us in the eternal state. In fact, the writer of of Hebrews said it's the reason why Abraham and people like him were willing to endure and they had faith and they persevered because they believed in this eternal state that was to come. Check this out. The writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 11, verse 10, for he talking about Abraham was looking forward to this city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. God's gonna make everything new. The old's gone, the new has come. All these people were still living by faith when they died, talking about these heroes of the faith throughout the scripture. They did not receive the things that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. In other words, this isn't our home. This, This earth, this body, all of it, this isn't our home as followers of Jesus. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. He's preparing a home for us. We're, we're, we're foreigners. We're strangers here on this earth as followers of Jesus. We got, we've got a different home that awaits us. So people who say such things, watch this, show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Hebrews says that people like Abraham and heroes of the faith had faith, they endured, they persevered because they were looking forward. They were looking forward. Jesus tells us not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worry of its own, but we are to look forward. In so much of the scripture, people endure and have faith and continue on and persevere because they're looking forward to what's ahead. They have faith. They have a new hope and a place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us and the new that is to come. And so they endured, they persevered. They mourned with hope. They grieved with hope. They went through tragedy with hope. They went through trials with hope because of what was to come. A new day means a new hope. And a new day, watch this, means a new hope in a new eternal home. You know, sometimes we see Jesus do miraculous things like heal people or raise people from the dead in in terms of like Lazarus. I, I mean, we see God doing all kinds of miraculous signs and wonders all over the earth and he's still doing things like that all over the earth today. And yet at the same time, God's plan and purpose is not to keep healing us and keeping us alive here on this earth. No, his plan and purpose is to save us and rescue us through Jesus for a new home, a new and eternal home in a new, with a new and eternal body, a new and eternal life that God has for you and me as followers of Jesus. And so this new day means we've got a new hope and a new eternal home. That's why the psalmist said in in Psalm 84, he said this, one day with you, one day in your courts are better than a thousand days elsewhere. One day 
with God. And this new earth, new city, new body will be better than a thousand of your best days here on earth. One day there will be better than a thousand days, a thousand of your best days here on earth. Ladies, maybe that was your wedding day. Guys, maybe your, your wedding night. Um, when you're younger, maybe it was when your kids were born. When you're older, maybe it's when your kids left home. I, I don't know. But, but whatever your best days here on earth have been, think about having a thousand of those. And then the psalmist says, one day, one day in this new body, this new city, this new earth will be better than a thousand of your best days here on earth. That's why Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, he said, so we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, we keep our eyes fixed on it. Regardless of what we go through here in this life, in this earth, in this body, we keep our eyes fixed on the, the new heaven, the new earth, the new body that is to come. It's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, I prefer to go to heaven right now. I'd rather go and be with Jesus right now. Because it's that good. You know, my mom's told me over and over and over again, Clayton, um, if I'm ever in a spot where there's like a switch to be flipped or a plug to be pulled, you pull that plug, you flip that switch and you don't think twice about it. She's told me over and over and over again, Clayton, I'm ready to go be with Jesus. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm so ready. So, so as soon as I have a chance to go, like I'm ready to go. So don't keep that plug in the wall. Don't keep that. You flip the switch, you pull the plug, let me go and be with Jesus. I'm ready to go. That's what Paul said. But, but we're still here. And so Paul said, I'd rather go and be with Christ, but, but I'm still here. And so God has a purpose and a plan for me while I'm here. There's things to do while I'm here, I'd rather go and be with Jesus. And I'm looking forward to the, the new heaven and the new earth and the new body. But God has things for me to do here and now. It's why Francis Schaeffer, the old theologian, says, so how then should we live? How should we then live? So here's what we're to be about and here's what we're to do in the meantime. Because we don't hold you under when we baptize you. Okay, You come back up. And you've got a life to live here on this earth in the meantime, however long that might be. But here's how we live this life until Christ returns or until we die and go to be with Jesus. Number one, we're patient. We have to be patient. This is so amazing. It's so incredible. Paul said, I'd rather go be, be with Jesus, but I'm still here. And so we have to be patient. We have to deal with things here in this life that are tough and difficult. We see evil all around us. We see wickedness sometimes seeming like it's prevailing or prospering or, or benefiting. And, and we wonder, God, when are you going to do, when, when are you going to take all this out? When are you going to end evil? When are you going to do something about all the, the sin and the wickedness that I see around me? When? Peter said about God's delay, that God's not being slow in keeping his promise to us. No, he's being patient because he desires that none perish, but all come to repentance. You know, I, I'm betting you as a parent, you're probably glad Jesus didn't return before your child gave their life to Christ. Or I'm betting that you're glad that Jesus didn't return before you gave your life to Christ. 
God is waiting. He's being patient because he desires none perish and be separated from him for all eternity. He desires for all to come to repentance, to give their life to Jesus, to be with him forever in this new city on this new earth and to have this new body. He wants all of us to have that. He wants as many as possible. And so the Bible says God's being patient. And so you and I are to be patient as well. We're patient knowing that God is going to keep his promise to us. And even though we've been saved, we will be saved. And this, all of this will be ours one day. So we're patient. Secondly, we persevere. We persevere. When you read through the book of Revelation, it says over and over and over again, to those who stand firm, to those who persevere, to those who are victorious and stand the test of time and the trials and the tribulations that will come. In other words, those who are followers of Jesus will persevere. They will. They will persevere till the end. Through all the trials, through all the tragedies, they will persevere. Romans 8 says that the trials, the tragedies, the troubles that we're going through right now will be far outweighed by the glory that's to come. And so it doesn't mean that these things aren't difficult, but it does mean we persevere through them with Christ in us as our strength, believing that one day we won't have to persevere anymore. We'll be in paradise. We'll have a new body, we'll be a new city, a new new earth. So we persevere in the meantime. Christ in us as our strength giving us the ability, enabling us to persevere through it all until the eternal state that's to come one day. And then finally, we do this, we preach. How should we live in the meantime? We preach. What do we preach? Well, Revelation 22, if you keep on reading, says this is what we preach. We, we preach the scripture. We preach the gospel as it's been presented in the Bible. No more and no less. That's what we preach. We preach God's word. No more, no less. In fact, in Revelation 22, it says, to those who add to this, the plagues that are talked about in this Bible will be added to them. To those who take away from this word, their name will be taken away from the book of life. It's a strong warning. We don't add to it and we don't take away from it. We preach the words that are in this book, God's word, nothing more, nothing less. And so in the words of the old Bible teacher that I love, Tommy Nelson, he said this, so we don't believe some guy that comes out of the woods with some new teaching saying, this is the new way we're to live. And this is the new way we're to operate. And this is the new way we're to believe. We've got the alpha and the omega. We don't add to it. We we don't take away from it. And so Paul said, if someone's preaching something else that you read in this book, let them be cursed. They're false teachers. They're wolves trying to lead you astray. We don't need new teachings. We don't need new words. If those things don't line up with what's in this book, they are adding to what's here or they are taking away from what's here. And we do not follow them. We've got the alpha and the mega. We got the beginning and the end. And Jesus has told us, this is it. We don't have to 
wait for a new teaching or a new prophecy or anything like that. We, we've got it right here. And so we preach this book. So that's what we preach. We preach the word. Why do we preach it? Revelation 22 says this, the spirit and the bride say, come. In other words, God says, come. His bride, the church preaches, come, come. The spirit and the bride say, come, come to Jesus and be saved. And here is why. Because in Revelation 21, at the end of this chapter, verse 27, it says this about this new city that will be on this new earth, heaven on earth. Nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will enter this eternal state, new heaven, new earth, new city, new body. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Who's this Lamb? It's the Lamb that was slain and rose again, conquering sin and death. It's Jesus, it's his book. And so the spirit and the bride, his church, that's you and I, we say, come, come to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus because it was the lamb who was slain in your place for your sin that died for you, paid the price and the fine for your sin and then rose again, conquering sin and conquering death so that anyone who would come to him, the spirit and the bride say come, anyone who would come to him, their sin would be forgiven. They're impure because of their sin. But when you give your life to Jesus, when you come to Jesus, you're made pure, your sin is washed away. You're completely forgiven of your sin, past, present, and future. You're made right with God and you can know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven and that all of this will be yours one day if you come to Jesus. And so the spirit, God says, come. His bride, that's you and I, right now say, come. Come to Jesus and be forgiven of your sin and have your name written in the Lamb's book of life and that new body and that new city on that new earth will be yours forever. Would you stand? Our team's gonna lead us in worship here in just a second. And as you stand, I just want you to bow your head, to close your eyes. And some of you are here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus. And I hope you hear God saying, and I hope you hear his church saying tonight, come, come to Jesus and be forgiven and be saved. And then there's some of you here tonight, you've been forgiven of your sin. You've been saved because you've given your life to Jesus. You've, you've come to Jesus, but you're struggling and you need God's help to persevere through the trial, through the tragedy, in the mourning, in the grieving. You need God's help. You need need God's help to fill you with patience and and perseverance and, and the boldness to preach. And so in this moment, and as we sing, just say, God, would you come and fill me with the Holy Spirit and strengthen me and help me to persevere. I can't do it without you. And fill me with your spirits that I'll be bold and go and preach your word with great boldness, God. Fill me with your spirit that I might be patient, that I might persevere, that I might preach while I'm still here on this earth. Revelation 22, it ends with this. John says, amen. That's Aramaic for I believe. 
And so as the bride of Christ, would you just make that your prayer right now? Amen. To all of this, amen, I believe. I'm looking forward, like Peter said, I'm looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth and the new body. I believe, I believe it's mine in Jesus' name. I believe, amen. Yes, we say with John, yes, come Lord Jesus. We can't wait for that day. We long for this day. We can't wait. But while we're here, Jesus, help us to be patient and to persevere and to preach. But we say along with John, amen. We believe in the glory that's to come in the place that you've prepared for us. And so Jesus, we lift up your name, the lamb who was slain, that's written our names in his book and that's gone to prayer a place for us. We lift up your name, Jesus, in your name alone.